0: On this episode, we're gonna run down an Amazon seller journey story with Michael Cobb, who is the founder of Dizzy Toys. And this is really fun. I mean, he started his journey in 2016, still has his day job, runs this, but we were able to talk about his really unique uh, product sourcing strategies that he has as well as, you know, how he was able to navigate sort of the difference, uh, the changes in the FBA inventory limits during the pandemic. Uh, we covered a lot, but it's really, it was really fun just to sort of hear his entire journey uh, of how he how he launched this brand on Amazon.
1: Yeah, it's good. It was good to t- like get his insights and things he would change and uh, things he would do differently. And even his business partner worked at Amazon mm-hmm. uh, in the handmade section. So that's kind of a, a nice little ace in the hole there for him. So yeah. uh, it was really good, really good conversation.
0: Yeah, these are some of our favorites. Just just talking to other sellers that are in the trenches right now, uh, running their business. We have a lot of fun with these. So let's go ahead and jump into our conversation with Michael. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 175 of Two Amazon Sellers and a Microphone, brought to you by Solozo and Netrush. And uh, today, this is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, we always love when we can just pick the brains of other sellers, find their journey, learn what they did, learn some tactics and tips and strategies that they employ. Uh, so, today is going to be a ton of fun. We've got Michael Cobb, the founder of Dizzy Toys, on with us. What's up, Michael? How are you?
2: Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me. Excited to get into it.
0: <clears throat> we are too. We, we love it. And I know you've got um, just some great stories of, of what you've done. Uh, so we can't wait to get into all that and then just pick your brain on just some tactics and strategies that you've employed uh, to get you to your level of success that you've uh, enjoyed. So we are super glad that you're here. Um, so why don't we just kick it off? Why don't you, you you take as much time as you want? We'd love to sort of hear your journey, just sort of how you got into e-commerce in the first place, what you are doing before, yeah. and just take us through sort of your journey.
2: Yeah, sounds good. Um, so it started, geez, four, five years ago, probably now. Um, and a buddy of mine and I, we launched together and it was kind of just based off of the idea of, of sort of like, why not? um he at the time worked at amazon and he was helping um small sellers in their um handmaids section kind of ramp up and scale so he had a lot of amazon knowledge through that and then i worked at an ad agency at the time but had um familiarity with like social listening a lot of research techniques tools to do that um, access to a creative studio that was was nice so we kind of looked at each of our our worlds professionally. And we're like, hey, we think we can we can do something selling products. i um, unsure what that was at the time. So we just kind of went into it saying, hey, we want to be um, small sellers. Um, so started off like, OK, what do we want to sell? Um, and we kind of just set out some basic requirements on, OK, we're going to compete in a space that has no major brand competition. Uh, don't want to go against that. No Amazon white label brands as just a, a place to uh, avoid. Um, we wanted a low product moat at the time we were early in our twenties. Didn't have a ton of like seed funding or anything like that. So it was all bootstrapped. Um, and then a a decent, um, size like sales category. So kind of chipping through that one by one, we, uh, you know, landed on dog toys. Long story short, um, for variety of reasons that fit the criteria in all those places. And, um, neither of us owned a dog at the time, but just tons of friends, family, coworkers, um, all our all dog people and it just felt like a something we could have fun with and um kind of enter in and make an impact and and have a bit of a community to spark that initial sale those initial reviews out the gate um to really kind of up level us um you know and build that momentum right off the start um so yeah that that was the the initial thing and then i guess like as far as the product development goes and all that we We looked at some of the top sellers on Amazon and just like unpacked their search pages. And we're trying to just figure out um, what we could do better. So all the toys we've made, we've kind of taken a creative approach and, okay, rope toys do really well, but plush toys do really well. Dogs love the plush toys, but owners hate how they break. Um, So the the two primary toys we've built, one is a, a plush toy that wraps around a rope and we call that the dizzy duck. And it's just like a long, (laughs) phallic looking duck that is, it kind of, it's a funny looking product, which actually like helps some of the reviews and people have fun with it, like, oh, the dizzy duck. Um, Then the second one is the dizzy hedgehog, but it's a ball with a hedgehog uh, wrapped around it. So it kind of is these two for one toys that, that stand out. um, So we could look at a popular plush toy and say, Hey, we'll just make this better with um, a bit more functionality, make it more durable. Um, and then started to build, test, iterate products around that. Um, and yeah, it, it helped us get there pretty quickly. Um, we also found that on Alibaba, the manufacturers that um, we could see listed some of the top sellers on Amazon. So we knew they were making um, dog toys, at least, of you know, high enough quality to, to enter the market. Um, and that,
1: yeah. How did you get the, like, I know you talked about the idea, but like, how did you come up with the idea of? like wrapping something around a ball like, and making it this, yeah. this product innovation come from
2: uh honestly like talking to dog owners in, in one just like what annoys you about dog toys you know like um but then also just like playing playing with dogs like we joked about like the product market research we do it is literally like get a bunch of cheap toys and just like sit and play with like our friend's dogs of uh, different sizes different ages and just kind of see what they they gravitated towards Um, so a a bit of a, a canine focus group kind of helped get us there. And then just, you know, kind of riffing off of each other. I'm just talking through, you know, Hey, what can we do? And it, um, it opened itself kind of naturally and organically.
1: What was the supplier like? So like, I'm I'm sure this Uh, item, some of this item didn't exist. You had to kind of create it on your own. What was that flow like communication? Like,
2: yeah, it was so. Initially, it was reaching out to them through Alibaba just to make a connection. Um, and then we um, kind of shared some design ideas. Um, we had somebody, a CAD designer, we hired on the side of just Fiverr to help kind of diagram what we wanted. It's probably overkill, honestly, for the simplicity of the toy. Um, but kind of gave them an idea. And it probably took a year, honestly, of them sending a prototype. Um, We'd look at it. Hey, we need the rope to be bigger. We need less plush. We need double stitching here, like all these little things. So we got tons of different dog toys that we would give to friends, let their dogs just tear it apart. And then we'd kind of get feedback. And, you know, over time we, we got to a pretty solid product.
1: What was that first order like? So you've got the samples done, you've got everything ready to roll. You got the, the name. Yeah. We,
2: uh, so the first order we put in it was a 1000 unit minimum order quantity and we we thought that would give us a pretty good runway and it it was exciting you know you have it all and at the time we shipped in like 300 or so to fba um and what we didn't anticipate like the scale of amazon is is just massive obviously and we had a pretty good game plan on how to get like our our initial community to um ranking buying and all of that. And it we got into like near trouble really quickly. Like it it took off way quicker than we expected. So we had to like fly in product on like a, a second order like pretty darn quick to to make sure we didn't run out like right out the gate and just you know stutter a quarter mile off the finish line kind of thing. What um, was that
1: strategy like what what's that strategy? So market goes yeah. or product goes live what do you do?
2: Yeah we it was literally like talking to friends and family um like hey here's a product here's a link um kind of a a scrappy even like rebate for people like we'll we'll give you the money f- back if you buy it but please buy leave a review leave pictures um fortunately the product was was great people loved it um so then a lot of them started to repurchase too but it was getting you know 100 or so people out the gate like actually engaged with the product and then being able to take that kind of forward and build that momentum um yeah, so I guess having that network out the the gate, kind of organized, and helping people come along the journey with testing, iterating product, kind of kind of help them care enough to to jump sure. in. Yeah. Sure.
1: You mentioned your buddy that like You worked at Amazon in like the handmade section. Yeah. Did his past knowledge have any help here with like creating yeah, listings and all that?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, setting up the page, making sure we got the the details and the photo stuff, like all of that, like a lot of the best practices that you'd pick up online too. I was just kind of tribal knowledge to him. So we we had like high quality product shots. Um, we knew we had to sort of the, the tools of, you know, maintaining a good brand on Amazon, um, having proper inventory, paying into the, the ads and like that pay to play to get the boosting and You know kind of all those things we we had an idea out the gate and it was really getting that spark of buys and reviews to get us over that initial edge from you know the tons of sellers who hardly get any anything because they're way off that first page so it's kind of like okay let's get first page on plush dog toys and we think we'll be in a pretty good spot to to scale and maintain from there
0: i want to go back and unpack a little bit of the beginning because what you mentioned is very interesting. What year did you launch on Amazon?
2: It would have been let's see twenty sixteen.
0: Okay, you've you took a slightly different approach than a lot of people, especially a lot of people that we Chris and I both talk with uh, on a daily basis. You know, a lot of people you mentioned you wanted to stay away. From categories that had, you know, well-recognized brands. You wanted to stay away from uh, products that Amazon was playing in that niche also, because yeah. they, you know, they can kill you on price. A lot of those are really good approaches because a lot of times what people will do is they'll use tools for product research and just immediately enter a super hot, super competitive market, yeah. and then they fail on the next steps because it's so saturated. Yeah. Um, what made you take that approach? Was it was it knowledge, more knowledge of the space or you just were really looking to create a creative brand? Uh, a little of
2: both, I think it was some knowledge of the, the space. and then um, like in my, my day job, um, working in like um, analytics and research within the advertising space, just kind of accustomed to, to looking at markets, landscapes, trying to figure out where a beachhead might be for a big brand um, through the angle of like, what story can you tell? How can you message differently? Um, but very kind of tuned into how to find sort of that that white space. Um, so just using that same mindset into taking it into the e-commerce space, sort of just kind of had us grounded in like, hey, let's be realistic and figure out where we can compete. And, mm-hmm. you know, put, put ego or interest aside on you know, I love golf, but I, I wasn't like, we need to sell golf things, you know? Um, so it just kind of like letting the, the, the data and a bit of just sort of like your, your intuition or your feel for, for how things are looking, kind of come together to, to point you on that initial product and, you know, a test and iterate mindset too, you know, if we, if we whiffed, that would have sucked on that first MOQ, but you know, whatever, it's, um, not that big of a, an order end of the day.
0: I think it's so important for anybody who's listening right now that is in the beginning stages of their journey to follow that advice. Um, you, you really—it's so, especially if you have a limited budget. It's so hard to launch into those competitive areas, and you just—it's—it's it's most likely going to fail for yeah. actors that are outside of your control. You, it's finding that right niche. When when you were launching, was your plan to make Amazon the dominant platform? your sales or did you have d2c sites built out were you yeah what was the game plan there like where was your focus
2: great question so we went into it with the anticipation at least for the first year to be amazon exclusive um and just kind of get traction there get you know product market fit proof of concept and then from there kind of get to the point hey do we want to go more d2c do we want to um you know build out a, a, a brand on social like all those things um so and we we've, we've kind of stuck to a a very light e-commerce model since it's been amazon only for most of the time we switched during the pandemic um for a kind of a, a couple things came together but we sell on wholesale to rover.com now is kind of a, a pivot we took through the pandemic to get through some of the fba changes but um we we've been able to to stay e-commerce you know, without too much effort um, and, and not had to take on the, the building the GDC brand quite yet, actually.
1: Let's talk about Rover. How's that going?
2: It's, it's going well. Uh, it's so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Well. What, what's
1: the difference? What's some differences there?
2: Um. So work with uh, a friend of mine just in my network. She happened to, to get a job at Rover. And then as they built up their store, she was familiar with the Dizzy toy um, options. And was like, hey, we're looking to get products in our store. Um, do you guys want to sell wholesale or like, well, you know, might as well. And it really comes down to, Hey, can you send us, you know, 500 units? Um, and they'll, they'll hold the inventory. Um, and we get roughly the same margins as we do on Amazon. Cause they're taking away all the FBA fees. Um, and they, they manage inventory and then let us know, you know, a couple months out. Hey, we're, we're getting, getting lower, um, time to, you know, get a new order ready. So it's, um, send, let them handle the inventory and everything and kind of wait and see on, on when that next one comes in but it it's about a quarterly refresh is sort of the pace we've gone on
0: is that a strategy that you're going to continue to employ looking for other partners and marketplaces and other well, where areas to sell your product uh po- yeah potentially
2: um, if it makes sense like Rover's a great one they they're a great like aggregator of of people you know of, of pet mm-hmm. owners so it was a nice fit where the, the marketplace was already built up, um, able to scale and has the, the right audience. Um, I Like, I don't think anytime soon we'd go to say, like a, a Walmart's not on our roadmap right now, just um, at our scale between Amazon and Rover, we can we can do enough, you know? Um, we've, we've talked about, and we still might look for like local opportunities at, um, you know, different kind of Seattle, pet stores that are, are not national chains, um, but we we think we could enter those potentially, um, but has, haven't done it quite yet, but I, I think that would be like the next growth route for us to just kind of go a little bit more boutique on the retail side, if we were to go the wholesaler route.
0: What about um, after your initial launch, what was your strategy on continuing to launch new products? Are you are you doing that, is your skew you count Growing or what's the focus? Yeah.
2: So we've we've kept the kept our skew count to just two two toys, the hedgehog and the, the dizzy duck. Um and then we, we have a couple things in the pipeline. One is like a, a v2 version of the dizzy duck where it's been out there long enough. Um and we we can we have like a way to make it better, more durable in a couple different sizes. Um so big dog, small dog, medium dog type variety. Um as kind of a natural way to build that out. Um, and then there's, this one's kind of funny, it's outside of the dog toy space, but it's something that we, we're we working on. We think it will be kind of a fun gimmicky thing, but you know, the uh, right? Mm-hmm. It's, um, so it's kind of like that, but have you seen like the corny visors that have a wig on top? Yeah, right? Yeah. So it's like a crokey, but with a, a rat tail <laughs> attached to it. <laughs> Um, so like little, I don't know, we have a couple of fun things like, like that, that we think would, you know, just get the right people to, to buy that and kind of has a a viral aspect to it. Um, Mm -hmm. but we, we, this past year with the, um, FBA changes and not being able to, to send in a lot of quantity all at once, um, kind of we've, we've held off on, on investing into new products, but more just kind of keeping status quo as, as this whole pandemic sorts itself up.
0: Let's talk about navigating some of those FBA changes. I mean, this was, I think this threw everybody for a loop. I think it wasn't, obviously the pandemic was not expected,
1: yep. uh,
0: which, which goes to show you should be expected, for, you should expect any kind of crazy thing to happen. Um, but I mean, it's, it was so different. 2016, when you start, you could have sent in 20,000 units. Yeah, exactly. Amazon could have been your warehouse. There,
1: yep.
0: if they were even charging fees, then I'm not even sure, it, but it, was it wasn't good. much, it was minimal. Yeah, it was minimal. Um, there was a point where there weren't long term storage fees, um, you could just really use it as a warehouse, um, but that clearly is not the case now. So, when this shift happened, what were you guys doing to help navigate? I mean, these limited, yeah. you know, inventory amounts you could send in?
2: Yeah, good question. So, we at the beginning we kind of like focused on just like as a a blueprint for making sure we could you know be profitable was just the the unit economics of um everything and then with the 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 tightrope of kind of keeping low inventory in amazon um but also um like shipping orders were taking longer and longer to get so how to like balance the supplier tension with the the ability to scale on amazon we we pulled back actually so we um, kind of shipped in smaller, um, smaller deliveries to Amazon, like hundred units at a time kind of thing, just to, to keep pace is really kind of what we, we moved into. Um, so kind of just maintain status really. Um, and that way we could control our inventory a bit better with the longer lead times of getting it not have to, um, blow our margin on, um, shipping stuff via flight for, um, So all of that kind of played in so on amazon we've dialed back we're not spending ad bucks or anything on amazon at the moment and just letting that kind of maintain itself until this clears itself up and then fortunately the rover thing kind of happened around the same time so it allowed us to to pivot and and push more inventory that way um but yeah i mean it's tough we're we're fortunate we still have our, our day jobs as well um so we you know financially it was easier for us to say like okay let's Let's go into a bit of a holding pattern and, and wait this out. Um it versus, you know, if it if it was the only source of income that we were, were dependent on, that would be some some tough decisions.
1: <laughs>
2: I think yeah. And I guess we bought a storage unit or rent one out as kind of as a filler as well. It's a small thing, you know, we can have our a bit of inventory there um fairly cheaply and and help sort of balance the load.
0: You you mentioned you you've got your day job and the i mean that also uh i'll speak from my personal experience that keep that as long as you can <laughs> uh, you never you never know uh yeah it's when something happens and sales velocity changes and all your eggs are in that basket it can be that can be scary um, it, I've, yeah. I've lived it it is scary um what what is your end game for this venture? Are you are you guys looking at a future exit or do you really yeah. love this and you wanna to continue to keep growing it and running it? How's good, it
2: look? Good question. Um, we are looking at um, my, my business partner on this since then, he's switched to be a full-time kind of e-commerce seller on a, a variety of other products with a, a different kind of small group of people. Mm-hmm. so he's kind of going all in on a couple different products there um so we're, we're figuring out how to decouple the business and i i'm going to take it on as the plan Um uh, maintain it for now I, the the rover connection gives great cover to um kind of stay in the holding period and as things open back up figure out um you know how to scale it ideas to get a couple more asins and then at you know at some point it's you know could it be a thing that that you go full time on can it run itself or or at least get it to a point where it's big enough to to sell to somebody else um right now i don't think we're quite at that that scale where it would be an attractive like acquisition but um yeah
0: it's so interesting i mean yeah, i i love stories like this i love it and and it you know it should be encouraging to a lot of people out there i mean that that are looking to get into this i mean it's it's a very doable business if you take the right mindset, the right approach, like like you've done. And and it doesn't need to be overwhelming. You can be successful with two products. You can be successful with one. I mean, it, it yeah. can happen for sure. Um so I I just I love talking about this creative approach to finding products and product development. I mean, yeah. I'd love that you you know, you did some testing. Are there any other like research tips that you have for people that are looking to find a niche like you did that's potentially underserved and you can get in with your unique products?
2: Yeah. Yeah. A, a couple things. I think one, and this is um, something I, I kind of preach at in my, my day job too, as far as like research goes um, from like a, a data perspective, a lot of times, like in, Formal like statistics training stuff it's like ignore outliers, things like um, that kind of focus on the mean is is what a lot of sort of um, you know standard knowledge teaches you. But it, it you know find the the outliers is a little bit you know um, if you're looking at a category, find things that that surprise you is like just a good um, heuristic. And for me, it's like a signal if something surprises you, your worldview is incomplete. Like something something's out there that you didn't really know was there. So if you are looking at a category or a space and you can just find the things like, holy shit, what's that? you know, anything that surprises you, kind of lean in there and and unpack that. And that's where you kind of might find um, a a little creative inspiration, some of that white space, um, a new spin on an old category, kind of, you know, anything like that, but I I think it's really look at outliers actually, because that's where you might find that more outsized opportunity. If everybody Mm -hmm. else is is zigging and you can find a way to zag Um, and searching for the surprises, I guess, as a a general rule to get there is kind of something I follow.
0: Go ahead, Dustin. It sounds like you really enjoy data and analytics and looking through all that. Is there any like when you're doing this research, what are the main like data points you're looking for? And are there, a tool, are there tools that you're using to help
2: yeah. do this? Good, good question. Um, a couple tools, let's see, let me pull up. Um, first, like if you're thinking on Amazon, just looking at some of the stuff that's hidden, but very um, findable on a, a cert page. So I'm saying if there's like um, multiple peop- sellers competing for the buy box, know clicking into that and trying to avoid um products or or categories that are um overly competitive so that's a great way to kind of pick up and get a pulse on on that um looking at um you know just standard things like price ratings volume of ratings things like that can kind of get a sense of, of quality um and then outside of like amazon specific pages i think like I I have unique access to some tools that help me social listen better than the average person could like um, is is something uh, a trending topic on on Twitter not always going to be the right signal for for products you know people don't talk about dog toys much on Twitter Um, (laughs) but there's ways to pick up on things like that in social still even if you don't have the tools Um, like for me I I looked at my own Instagram page um, half for fun but it was also telling like anytime I had a picture of a, a dog with me it was like absurd, like 400% more engagements than like, even if I was doing something cool, like a bungee jumping or anything like that, like nobody really gave a crap about any of that. But with the dog, everybody kind of goes nuts to it. So it's like, okay, my people love dogs. So now there's like even just a small community that I can kind of leverage into this, this product to kickstart that sales cycle. So anything that you might have your own secret sauce or like a, a community interest to help, build some initial momentum with could be, you know, a soft way to, to get there. Um, it's not hard data, but you're, you're still picking up on it in your day-to-day and kind of intaking that. Um, Google Trends is another good free one, potentially, um, and see if, you know, there's, there's search interest in a given product. Um, so those, those would be the big areas I'd, I'd look to. Um, so to summarize, I guess, scrape the Amazon pages of, of would-be competitor products and gain as much insight as you can from there. Um, second would be kind of whether it's social or personal data, but kind of cue your, your, your world and where you live in and where there's excitement, where there's engagement um, and, and kind of use that as a proxy for, for where you might have um, some naturally organic kind of built-in interest around what you might build. And then third one, you can kind of look at that macro view of, of Google trends um, to get a, a sense of, you know, maybe the, the broader society or people interested in, in this product. Is it a growing interest? Is it declining? Um, and start to unpack some of that.
1: Is there anything that you would change differently than when you first started? Um, you know, looking back, yeah. you've went through a lot. Is there something that you're like, oh, I wish I would have pivoted this way?
2: Yeah, I would have. um once we, and we did this pretty quickly and started, um, you know, buying the ads and, and had a, a good keyword strategy around all that, but it, 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 worked too well, almost like we weren't ready to scale as quick. So we had to, um, you know, rush in a, a new order. Um, and then even then, at one point we had to up our price to, to way higher than it any rational person would buy it at to, to prevent ourselves from going, you know, out of inventory and, and getting the, the de-ranking because of that so um it's sort of it's a tough balance to to walk but be ready to scale quickly um it would be something i would tell myself um sooner like um, and it's hard to have that that confidence without the hindsight but um at least have a plan on how how you can get product fast if you need it and you know that way if you step on the gas you can keep on going and and not de-accelerate and Um, slow your your roll down unintentionally
0: that's that's a great tip i mean a lot of people would say how can it becoming popular quick or sales velocity scaling quick be a problem but it can be a big problem Um, i mean you may not have the capital to now lay out for a much 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 larger order Um, obviously it's going to take time to get there you don't want to go out of stock there's so many yeah. factors. Yeah. Building up, building out that plan, making sure that you've got the capital, not just for your initial test order, but the capital um, and the plan in place to get ready to go for that second yeah. order.
2: Yeah. So that, that was good. for us too, we we've never taken out credit for anything, but um, you know, after, after running it successfully for a while, we're at a place now we, we could, but you know, having an idea on how to, to get access to credit early on, I think would have been something that would have benefited us too when we started to have the confidence and be able to scale a bit quicker um, would have been probably a, a better move. Um, but, you know, it wasn't really something where a project we thought out the gate, yeah, let's take on, on debt, you know, within the first year on this. Yeah, so,
0: <laughs> Yeah. That can be a little risky. I think. Yeah, uh, those our, 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 are good yeah. stories on those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those <laughs> Amazon, those Amazon
1: loans aren't fake money. That's real money. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there, and for anyone starting today, there's so many more tailor made opportunities for funding that mm-hmm. fit this model so much better. Than like in 2016, or I mean,
2: yeah, like been... an
0: installment loan or anything like that is just difficult to operate with in mm. this kind of business. I mean, you just might not have the money back in time um, yeah. to to pay those. But but yeah, I mean, that ability to scale faster if you have access to to credit, there's certainly it can. If if you're following the steps right, you can absolutely do that. This is, yeah, uh, yeah. there's so much to talk about. There's so many factors in play. What I think we got everyone who's listening now, we ought to tell them how can they go buy your dog toys? I mean, there's going to be a lot of dog, uh, yeah, so then they might need these amazing toys. How do they go buy them?
2: A link in the rover.com is the best place to get them right now at the Rover store. Um, and Let's see. Do we have a chat in this? Or,
0: uh, you can, or if, you, if you
2: look for the Dizzy Hedgehog on, on the, the Rover.com store, you'll, yeah. you'll find it there um, in the the Fetch Dog Toy section.
1: Yeah, I typed in Dizzy Dog Toys <laughs> in Google and found it pretty quickly. It's really right.
0: cool looking too.
2: Yeah, they're fun little lensical things. <laughs> the dogs love them.
0: <laughs> so it's a squeaker toy as well?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it squeaks um, – not not overly obnoxiously, it, so mm-hmm. it, it's a firmer ball, so the dog has to get a good good grip on it to to puncture through to get that squeak. But um, yeah, good for fetch, good for for nine. and and all nice. the other things I'd like to do. Yeah,
0: <laughs> this is really cool, man. Thanks for coming on and, and telling us your story. Um, it's just yeah. it's it's good for for everyone to to hear how people have navigated. There's, there's uh, there's certainly challenges in this space, but there's also big win opportunities and yeah, and it's definitely. a really, fun, it's a really fun business to be in for sure. So Michael, thank you so much for joining us. We would love to uh, chat with you again in the future, get some updates yeah. on, on where you are. Um, I'm sure there'll be There'll be something new that's going to change everything down the pipeline again. It won't be. Hopefully, yeah. it's not a pandemic.
2: <laughs> yeah, something a little better.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, something else is going to come in and and create a shift for sure. But, uh, but yeah, it was it was great to hear your story. So we will we'll catch up with you again uh, here soon. So thanks for coming, um, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you love content like this, if you want to hear really neat stories of other other entrepreneurs out there who are navigating this space, talking to experts in, in uh, all areas of e-commerce. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. If you like the live streams, make sure that you're following Solozo's Facebook page, LinkedIn page, and our YouTube channel. We go live almost every day with really cool people like Michael sharing their stories. Uh, so make sure you're following us on all those Additionally, if you are currently selling on Amazon and advertising is a struggle or it's taking up all of your time, Solozo is here to help. We have an automated platform that can help automate and optimize your campaigns for you towards your goal. Uh, and Chris and I would love to talk with you and show you how it does that. You can go to solozo.com, you can book a demo. We'll walk you through the platform. We'll talk anything Amazon. Obviously, we love doing it. So we'll talk about any challenges you're having um, or any successes we'll talk about, whatever. So Saloza.com, book that demo. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. We will see everybody next time.
2: Thank for good having life. me.